Hey everyone. Welcome to the Squad Pod. Here's your host, my dad, Troy Dog. Alright people, welcome to another episode of the Squad Pod. I'm your host, Troy Dog, the Chief Executive Officer of Verbmoto.com, also the founder of the Troy Dog Squad, everybody's favorite, favorite team of riders in the pits. Welcome. If you're a first-time listener, hello. If you can't miss an episode and you absolutely have to have it in your life every single week, I see you too. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, how about that intro? Man, Bub Dog and Duke Dog, my kids. They're four and two, and yet they put out the best intro to a podcast of all time. Like, that's the best. You can't get any better. Appreciate you dudes. And how cool is that? My kids are introing me. All right, so pretty cool show this week. We have Kyle Chisholm, the Chiz, my buddy coming on to talk about life. And then I kind of want to dive into his amateur career. He's got a, a weird intro to the pro ranks. It took like three years to actually make that transfer from amateur to pro. So he gives a really good rundown on that. You don't want to miss that. And then we talk stew stories at the end. So stay for the how he felt his year went. He talks about testing and racing and and all that good stuff. And then we dive into to that with, and then stew. Stay for the stew stories. Always good to have Chiz on. I ask him like three questions and he just takes a deep breath and lets that flow. He just continues to talk. And he gives the best insightful interview that you'll ever hear in the sport. So thanks for Chiz on, for coming on and joining me. We appreciate you, bro. Uh, me and Chiz have quite the history together. He actually helped me start the Troy Dog Squad back in 2021. So I always have a soft spot in my heart for Chiz. He's the man. That's all I can say. All right, let's get to the news segment real quick before we let Chiz just take us away to Chizland. Harland Fundraiser. We announced the winners of the Harland Fundraiser uh, Fire Fundraiser, I guess. We announced those winners on Verbo.com this week. And I promised that I would have the list, and I do. Sign number plates. There's 10 winners. Here we go. You guys ready? If you hear your name called, Harlan should have already reached out to you um, on Venmo or GoFundMe, however that works. If you haven't heard from any of us, me or Harlan, reach out to me, Troy at Vermoto.com, and I will yell at Grant for you, and we'll get it handled. So for the signed number plates, there's 10 of you. Colton Rothhammer. Tiffany Miller, Chris Capasso, Jackson Bowden, Dalton Jones, Ray Groom, Tiffany W. There's no last name, but you know, hopefully Harlan handles that. Robert Haley, Devin Hauser, and Alec Gout. You guys have won the signed number plates. Congrats. Signed jerseys: Kevin Newell, Tyler Hansen, Thomas Capon, Frank Sell. GSD Coffee, what's up? Daniel McNult, Mason Holsey, Adam Kidd, Holly Wozniczak, Andrew Crudgington, and Chase Stallow. I don't know who that is, but congratulations. You guys have won the signed jerseys. Also, when I pick, I went through and picked all these names. I, I went through, depending on how much you spent was what tier list you were on. 
I put a number next to your name and then I rolled a random number generator I found on Google. It was legit. It was elite. And I let that baby roll for a little bit before I pressed the stop button on it. So randomly generated, no one, you know, no one was just picked. There was, there was some thought process behind this. So I did it. It was legit. So the grand prize VIP winner with an amazing VIP package, it goes to, give me a drum roll, Nancy Rasick. Nancy Rasick wins two VIP passes, a tour of the Rock River Yamaha truck, a hard dog hangout, you get to meet the team, get dinner at the rig, track walk, courtesy of Road to Recovery. Um, and then I, I was like, hey man, Harlan, who's going to run your VIP for you? Like, is that you? Like, is your pops going to run it? Um, Mama Hard Dog, she in there? And he goes, you know what? I'll probably just fly you out, T-Dog, because I can't think of a better person to run my VIP program. So if you're Nancy Rasick and guest, you're probably going to get me to take you around, which is bad news for Harlan because I'll just start giving you all of his stuff and who knows what else we'll get into. You know, you, you just do it and ask for forgiveness later. So you guys, if I'm your tour guide, you're, you're kind of in for a treat because I'll have Ginger Dog with me, my wife, and we'll just, we'll take you anywhere you want to go. Like if this is your first time at a race or if you're a big fan, where do you want to go? Tell us. We'll make your dreams come true and try not to get thrown out. So actually, thank you for all of you for, for, you know, sending your money to a Harlem family when they need it most. The Moto community is awesome. So on behalf, behalf of them, we appreciate you. Um, that, that was, this was a huge, uh, thing here. So we're going to get prizes to you as soon as we can and we appreciate it. So. The World Mini is back. Did you know that? Did you go last year? The Verb Moto World Mini Grand Prix. We're going to have more details about it soon. On December 1st, we're going to drop some more stuff. But for now, there's a whole landing page on verbmoto.com at the top for, for all the information you need right now to start planning your 2024 race season. So World Mini is back and better than ever. And it's a must stop for amateur motocross. You're going to want to race this. Oh, where is it? It's in Mesquite, Nevada. So there's a golf course. There's a Starbucks. I'm going to check in and see if there's a Dunkin' nearby because Starbucks sucks. But a lot of people like it. So check it out, guys. And uh, check out the uh, Verb Shred Tour as well. We got that scheduled dropping soon for next year. All right, next order of biz. Team previews. My 2024 team previews schedule is out. We've actually done a few already. I previewed Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki last week. I did Troy Lee Design Gas Gas Team the week before. And this week, we have a treat with Red Bull KTM Factory Racing. So I go through, I lay it out, do team results, who's in, who's out, team uh, rider projections. Just I, I, You can be truthful in these, and I, it's one of my favorite things to write. Like, hey give you a little preview, like Chase Sexton is probably going to win races and be a championship contender. Shocker, I know. But what about Julian Balmer? Where does he stack up in the 250 class? So, Tom Vial. You don't know. You'll have to tune in and read to see what I have to say. 
we drop those every Friday. And then uh, towards the end of the year to fit them all in before Anaheim one, we'll have two a week. So yeah, check it out. If you see it on uh, social media, share it, give it a like. I can use all that. So that that's pretty cool. Love team previews. And now um, another thing I wrote this week, talking about stew. I wrote a Stew's Day feature, and a lot of you probably don't remember this, but your mom might. Um, Stew and David Banner. Remember David Banner, the rapper, music producer from Mississippi? Well, they were buddies, or maybe they still are. I don't know. We don't know. But uh, Stew was in a David Banner music video called Crank It Up back in like 04, and uh, it was it's a banger. It still is a banger. Uh, David Banner is... It was funny. I was talking to Slaw about it, and he goes, "Stu is in a David Banner music video," and I was like, "Dude, are you serious right now? This was like, this was it." And he goes, "No, I didn't listen to music like that." And I'm like, "You must have had a terrible like teenage year, or however he's old, so he's a full grown man at that point. So you must have had a horrible life because you don't know who David Banner is, you know? Slaw sucks, but yeah. So anyway, that was on." Uh, the Tuesday post this week and I, I, me and ginger dog were sitting Friday night. We were going through some old songs. She was listening to her Britney Spears. She was going on her Britney Spears rant and just like free Britney and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden I was like, Ooh, David Banner click on that. Stu was in there. And she's like, no way. I was like, yes way. He's doing like nose wheelies and wheelies doing burnouts. Stu. Anyway, when I start talking about Stu, I get all fuzzy feeling, so I'm going to spare you guys that. But anyway, check that out, too. It's uh, I posted a couple days ago on Stu's Day, which is usually Tuesday. So, yeah, read that. There's a whole little backstory on, on that, like on what, what I thought of the song back when it came out. And then, yeah, just listen to the song. Crank it up, man. All right, now it's time for the Guts Racing Power Rankings. For 33 years, Guts Racing has prided themselves on being the innovators in seat technology. If you're looking for a comfortable and stylish place to park your rear end on your dirt bike, then look no further. Guts carries an extensive product line of seat covers and foam no matter what you ride. Use the promo code VERB20 at checkout to save on your order. Guts Racing is awesome. I'm sitting on a Guts Racing seat right now. It's what I use when I do my pods. You can customize it. I put 17 colors on it because that's how many they offer. So that's cool. You can put them anywhere on the bike, on the seat, I should say. But Guts is cool because they supply seats to just about everybody in the pits. You know, RJ Hampshire on Rockstar Energy Husqvarna. Ken Roxon, you ever heard of that guy? He runs them on his Hep Motorsport Suzuki. You just, you know, everybody. Everybody runs Guts. The best seats in the biz. And they sponsor the Guts Racing Power Rankings. So this week, um, last week we switched it up doing some off-season stuff. You know, everyone gets bored. We keep doing the same riders over and over. And plus, everybody's in boot camp. So nothing really is happening. So what Slaw and I have done, Ginger Dog's sitting it out until Anaheim won. So send hurtful DMs her way about how we need her to write more. But this week, we're doing top five Supercross races, like our favorite. And it's I want you guys to comment on it. And tell us what your five favorite are. So for this pod, you're only going to get a little sneak preview because I can't give them all away. Not till Friday. So, but number one, 
1990 Atlanta. I think that's going to be everybody's favorite, to be honest. I think, no, I wasn't even born then because I, I came around in August. So that was a cold Atlanta night. Some, you know, early in the season. So yeah, I wasn't born yet. But there was like 18 passes for the lead. I think Guy Cooper almost won it. Uh, Jeff Ward won it. Like, I don't even, he came out of nowhere and won. So, just an awesome race. Um, I need to go back and watch it to really make sense of it all because there's so many passes for the lead. There's like 18 riders all in one pack. And it literally is everyone's favorite race. So, if I didn't put that as number one, I'd be kind of weird. But, I don't really have much to add about that. It's an amazing race. If you haven't seen it, go watch it on YouTube. And it's just like a staple for Supercross. So check that out. Number two, 1989 Miami. So again, I wasn't born at this point, but there's a 1989 VHS tape. My dad pretty much taped like half the series. So when I first figured out what dirt bikes were, when I was like four or five, I would just watch this tape on repeat. I can recite the commercials, some of the best action with Larry Myers. Uh, Gary Bailey did the 125 action. It's just a good tape, man. There's some Moto World stuff on that, but 1989 um, Miami was a huge race for me because Bradshaw crashed like four times and he still won. And that track was entirely made out of beach sand. I actually asked Denny Stevenson about it. Um when he was on this pod like a month or so ago, because he was there that night. He got fourth. Yeah. Fourth, I believe I'll have to go back and somebody fact check me on that. But he said that the whole track felt like a waterbed, like especially the finish line. It was just like a waterbed and everything was just made of wet sand, like white beach sand. And there's never been a track since it's been like that. So I always thought that was cool. At the end of the night, it deteriorated. There was a step on, step off that only Bradshaw and John Michelle Bale were doing. Just a good, good rep, like weird race that, you know, just seeing Bradshaw crash 80 times and win. So incredible. So I watched that race over and over and over. It's like my first race. I was like, oh my gosh, this is cool. So my reasoning on that. Number three. Oh man, I was up in arms about this. I I did some mid nineties, um, you know, growing up in the mid nineties. There's a few I wanted to put here, but I'm going to put '96 St. Louis because as a kid I was a huge Jeff Emig fan, and I was tired of MC winning everything. And Fro is the reason that we don't have an undefeated Supercross season, and it happened in his hometown race, St. Louis '96. He got his second ever 250 Supercross win that night. His first one happened in Vegas uh, the year before, the night the lights went out. But this one's cool because, for one, he ended the streak. And then it kind of sent him on his little streak. He did. He won 96 outdoors, 97 indoors, 97 outdoors. It was like the height of Emig, like just the starting of it. And he got over the hump. He could... Realized he could beat MC, and then he did that summer too. And then, obviously, with the switch to Suzuki, MC wasn't the same as he was in the Honda. But no excuses. Jeff Emig was your 97 champ. 
So, like, I figure, I look back, and 96 St. Louis was where it all started for Fro to, as a 250 rider, and just really make sense of, hey, I can beat this guy, and I can beat everyone else, you know. So, cool race for me, and I was a huge Emig fan, and he won. So, those are top three races for me. I'm going to try to throw in, like, a newer race, but it's so hard to, because, like, there is a ton of good races, and it's hard for me to just pick. So I got two more coming. We'll see what I end up with. All right. Let's light up a stogie, open up a White Claw, and enjoy the smooth jazz of Kyle Chisholm. Enjoy. All right, on the phone, I got my buddy, the Chiz, Kyle Chisholm. What's up, man? Oh, uh, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Uh, uh, just life, just normal stuff. Uh, on the way back from riding, I actually haven't ridden like a month. Um, we we're just talking. I took a couple weeks off, and then I got uh, some injections done in my knee that's been bugging me all year. And I had to kind of give that like you know five days or so to kind of like rest after doing that. So yeah, a couple weeks off, and I had a week doing that. And then I planned on riding, and then unfortunately got sick. I hardly ever get sick. Haven't been sick like all year that I can remember. And uh, yeah, I got the flu. Actually, the flu is still around. It's still a thing. So <laughs> I actually uh, got the flu, and that took me out pretty much all of last week. And kind of felt like crap. But um, on the on the upswing, upside of it now, and got to ride my dirt bike a little bit today. So that was always a good day. So yeah, yeah, back to work. And you're in some October riding um, in Florida. It's probably pretty good. I would assume. Yeah, it's it's still a little bit warm. Like November is usually like when it gets nice out for us. But we've honestly had quite a few days of like actually pretty nice weather. Today it was like it was in like the high eighties, but still sounds like kinda hot. But for us it's it was like mid to high eighties, but like low humidity compared to normal. Not compared to normal place in the world, but compared to normal Florida. It was you know, like a little bit low humidity, a little bit of like a breeze. So it was honestly like really nice riding weather today. So that's, that always makes it a little bit more, a little extra enjoyable than melting, you know, out there while you're trying to ride. Exactly. All right. So I want to get into this first with, with your year, um, first year down with, with your hybrid position at HEP, um, you know, rider, uh, also doing testing, um, you know, bike development and things like that. Um, so first year down, how do you feel it went? Um, from each side, I guess. Uh, let's start with riding, and then kind of go into your role with the team. You guys had a lot of first, um, a lot, of, a lot of milestones to check off the list this year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as far as me personally, the year started out a little rough. Um, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I just talked about being sick. I got, I don't know if it's like food poisoning or something, right before Anaheim won. So I have like three days of like literally just living on the toilet coming out of both ends before Anaheim won. So, yeah, thinking back to the start of the year, it uh, that's how my year started at A1, so I ended up missing A1. I tried, I tried to ride, but I couldn't ride. So it started out a little rough, and it kind of was rough maybe the first month or so. I honestly was struggling getting like comfortable on the bike, like comfortable setting. And also just being a different bike. I was on the Yamaha for what, three years and just trying to get used to it. We didn't have a lot of time on it. So yeah, the year did start out a little bit rough, a little slow, not where I wanted to be. Honestly, uh, pretty frustrating uh, personally, because I felt really good. But then, you know, just on the bike at the races, it's just stuff wasn't clicking. I wasn't 
riding like I wanted to and just wasn't wasn't all coming together. So it started out a little a little frustrating, a little rough. But man, we worked hard. Honestly, the team everyone says that, but you know, the team worked really hard. Uh Matt from Active Ride, our suspension guy, that's been my suspension guy for a long time. Um we just worked and worked and worked and got the bike really good, or at least what we thought was really good. And uh then as the year went, we just started getting better and better and better and um we ended the year, I would say, kind of back to back to where I felt like I should be, maybe even better than I was, you know, uh, last year, um, you know, doing my own thing. So um, started a little rough, a little like behind where I wanted to be. And I would say we ended, you know, at least at or even a little bit of, ahead of where I kind of thought we would be or or was last year, you know, the previous year. So um, a lot of work went into it. Um, and then obviously I got to do more outdoors than planned that I honestly had some fun. Uh, it got a little tiring there towards the end with all the racing that we were doing and, um, didn't really plan on that at first, but, um, with some injuries on the team from some of the other riders, uh, like with Marshall, I ended up, you know, filling in for more races than planned, um, as far as outdoors goes, but honestly, I really enjoyed them. And then, uh, we had the, the playoff races, which were new and, um, that was good. I kind of ended the year a little back on the rough side, like I was saying about my knee. Um, kind of had my knee kind of flaring up on me on and off through the year. And uh, towards the playoffs, just bad timing. Uh, just having a lot of pain in my knee. I wasn't able to ride very much during the week. Um, so that was a bummer to kind of end it that way. But, man, we just had steady progress all year, which was good. Um, yeah, that's all you can really ask for, I think. It's a long season. But it goes by quick. Yeah, I think what do they say about kids that the the days are long, but the years are short, whatever. And that's how it is. Like the days are long, you're testing and you're in the grind, but the year goes by so fast because you're working and racing every weekend and, and just always trying to get better and better and better. You're always looking at the next race or how you can get better the next day. So it goes by quick. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, start to finish, it was just an improvement, which was good, and uh, yeah, it was, it was it was it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed uh, racing. And then from the team side, my testing bike development side, again, I think that was the same. Uh, it you know it kind of goes hand in hand with me personally because I'm always trying to get better myself, and that kind of just translates over to the bike and how pick. I don't want to say picky, but you, I guess you could say picky, but as particular as i am in getting the bike as good as it can be we just would translate that all over to you know kenny and shane when he was on the team and um just to all the other guys so um it was we we're always working always trying to get better and if you look at kenny for example and i think i tweeted about this some point during the year but um you know i think not meaning this in a bad way or whatever but kenny the last few years has kind of been known to like start out really strong or just whatever. And then as the year goes, it kind of like tapers off and, you know, maybe doesn't have that spark and the speed or whatever you want to call it. And he doesn't do as good. Like as the year goes on, he maybe, you know, fades back a little bit, whatever you want to call it. But this year, Kenny pretty much steadily progressed throughout the whole year, which I think would be the first time you could really say that about him in a long time um just looking at you know facts and results and all that stuff so to see him you know a just really enjoying being at the races and racing 
that late into the year was awesome. And then to see him improving, you know, starting the year, you know, around the top five and then being a podium guy and winning a race, winning motocross nations and the, you know, MX one class, um, challenging, probably being Jet's biggest challenger, you know, obviously Chase Sexton as well, but you know, Kenny just hopping in for one race and, you know, leading laps and challenging Jet, you know, over the summer and then winning motocross nations. I, I think that's just a, you know, I, I definitely by no means am trying to take all the credit, but just the team as a whole, you know, me doing my part and everybody else doing their part allows a guy like Kenny to be at his best all year. And it makes it fun, makes it enjoyable for him. And, and then we're all just trying to work together to be better. And I think the team just gelled really well. And that's kind of where you got that, that whole package of a guy like Kenny, you know, look, he won motocross nations. Like he ended the year, you know, winning, you know, and he won during the year and got better as the year went, which is not something that you could maybe say about him in years prior to this. So that was really cool to just be a part of that and have a little bit of a part of, you know, that success, you know, as well. That's really honestly enjoyable for me as well. Yeah. You make a really good point there. Um, especially it seemed like he was happier too. Um, every time he was at the race, he's always smiling, just a different vibe and different team atmosphere. I'm sure there's a lot, he puts up a lot of pressure on himself, but also at the same time, it's like Hep has, uh, I mean, he got, he went and took the team to their first win. Um, you know, and it's just kind of, it's just, maybe he's just enjoying it more as he's getting older, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I think that the environment that we create within the team, you know, everybody works really well together <laughs> and, um, everybody enjoys being there. You know, we're there cause we want to be there. Um, everybody's going to work towards the same goal. It's an up and coming team, you know, and I think they have a lot of the, a lot of good people in good places like Larry doing his job, like them bringing Larry on board this year and like what he does, what he brings to the table, uh, me, like what I brought to the table, them trusting and like in Matt, our suspension guy, um, them, you know, changing direction from how they started the year, you know, trusting me and my recommendation of bringing Matt on board, you know, believing that he could give Kenny what he needed after Kenny went through a few suspension guys and uh yeah just everybody working together for a common goal it's just it makes fun you know everybody's working together instead of against each other or like behind each other's back or there's no ulterior motives it's just everybody wants to do their best and do whatever we can to do that you know and I think when a guy like Kenny sees that it's much more, you know, a guy like that works really hard, puts a lot of time and money into his efforts to go racing, to, to try to win. And when he sees that reciprocated throughout the team, everybody doing that and doing their part, it just makes you want to keep working harder and, and it makes it more fun. Cause then when you have the success, it's success as a team. It is an individual sport, you know, obviously he's got to still ride the motorcycle, but everybody did a part you know, to help that, to help that guy have that success and to win and, you know, for the team to get their first win and Kenny to get a win and, you know, on a new team and prove that he could still do it, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it all, you know, it all just goes together. And, and, uh, it, I think that was, that's what makes it enjoyable is that everybody's enjoying what they're doing and working, you know, towards the same goal. Right. And, and, at, and from your perspective, you're, you're at the track grinding out, um, you know, bike testing and, and different settings, things like that. Um, so you're putting in a ton of work as well and trying to yep. race on top of that. Um, what, from how this year went, 
um, looking back on the whole thing, did you spend more time testing or did you spend more time, you know, riding for yourself, I guess? Man, it's hard to say. I would honestly say I spent a lot of time testing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe more than half the time testing. And part of that is, you know, with Matt, a lot of the stuff we did with suspension stuff, you know, we did a lot of chassis testing before the season started. Uh, actually, before Kenny even rode the bike, I spent like three long days finding the best chassis set up, you know, before I even signed with the team, before mm-hmm. Kenny ever rode the bike even, to get the chassis as good as I felt it could be. And I picked all the parts that I felt were best, and and that's the package we went with, and that's what Kenny rode. And he loved the bike, obviously, which is why he, I don't think, really planned on signing with the team unless he really liked the bike. And he rode it and really liked the bike. And that was just kind of the chassis package that I put together, uh, along with some motor recommendation stuff that I kind of thought would help the bike as well. And that's what he rode and loved it. Um, so a lot of the chassis stuff, uh, we kind of we kind of stuck with that for the year. So a lot of what we were working on during the year was – little bit of chassis stuff but mostly um a little bit of chassis a little bit of engine i i would say maybe like 10 percent chassis 20 to 25 percent motor stuff we worked on and then the rest of the time it was just working on suspension settings trying to find settings that gave us the comfort and stuff that we wanted but also performing you know at speed and was stiff enough and good enough to give us what we wanted um or what we needed out of it so it was a lot of, uh, you know, bike uh, suspension development, um, just so many settings and parts uh, running through a uh, suspension wise that, uh, that to just get a really good base. And I remember on the one weekend off before Arizona, before Glendale, I spent the like a week with Matt, just me and him testing. And we spent like probably three days on this fork like all day for three or four days to get this fork setting um, that I was like, man, I think it's good. And then we took it to Glendale and I raced it and, you know, we didn't even, we didn't not tell anybody on purpose, but we just worked really hard. And I go there, I had my best race of the year up to that point. I went like 11, 11, 10. And that was before a bunch of people got hurt, you know, still pretty early in the year. And, um, I mean, I, I rode, just rode great. I was, you know, bike was awesome, felt really good. And Larry, after the race, was like, man, like, he knew that I had a different fork setting that we were trying. And he's like, dude, your bike looks so good. He's like, Kenny has to try that setting this week. So, you know, I, I tested it for, you know, almost two weeks, raced it, had my best race. And then, and then we took that back and then Kenny tried it. And then Kenny started on it the next week. And then he just got better and better, obviously won a race and you know, all that stuff. So like, just to let people in on like a little of the insight, like that's the kind of stuff that, that like we did, like just during the season, we had an off week. So we had extra time to test. So we just did as much as we could develop something. We race tested it, you know, I, like, cause you ride it at the practice track and you're like, I think it's better, you know, on this track here, it's better, but what if we get to the race and it's not as good at the race, you know, cause it's a different track and race conditions and, and all that stuff. It's hard to really replicate that on the practice track. So we developed something. I took it to the race. I raced with it, did really good with it. And, 
even if I didn't do good with it, you still take the good and the bad and you try to improve the bad and keep the good and you just keep developing. So that's just what we did all year. And that particular week, you know, week we did so much and I proved, and I race proved that it was really good. And then Kenny tried it. He loved it. And, and he was happy with his work before that, but I'm like, dude, you got to try this. I think it's better. And then he tried it was better. And then finally towards the end of the season, uh, Shane McElrath tried my setup, just my complete setup. He was just going in circles, kind of going a different direction than we were. And finally the last like two or three races to go, I'm like, dude, we talked for a while. I'm like, dude, just try my setup and just ride with us. I said, just don't, don't change it. You might not like it at first. Just spend three days riding it and then just race with it. And then uh, for anyone probably doesn't remember, Shane got a top five, I think mm-hmm. at, at Denver yep. and then like a sixth or a seventh at Salt Lake city ripped some hole shots. And yeah. um, he, he had like his best race of the year once he switched to the setup that we had come up with. And, and that's honestly what we're still pretty much on, uh, you know, going to world supercross and stuff. Um, we've developed some KYD stuff as well that we're still working on, but yeah, man, just a lot of work. Um, like I said, mainly suspension would probably be, I'd say the main thing, but man, on the 450, the bikes are also good. They're all fast. They're all 450s. It's all about chassis and suspension, you know, on a 450. That's why you can see like, like, you know, like the Grant Arlen's and, and also what I did the previous three years, like I rode a bone stock bike you know, it's just revalve suspension. So it's like mm-hmm. the bikes are really good nowadays. The most important thing is on a 450 is the suspension. On a mm-hmm. 250, you could probably argue that the most important thing is the motor, right? But yeah. on a 450, the suspension is the most important and the chassis has got to go along with that. But the suspension is so important. So, you know, that's what we spend the most amount of time on. And we, we would have spent more time on the chassis, but we got it really good, you know, back before the season started. And it, we all were pretty happy with the chassis the way it was. So we didn't spend too much more time on that. But if we needed to, we would. And there's some stuff we're testing this offseason as well. You know, chassis stuff we're going to you know, run through and we're doing. But, um, yeah, it's just it's so important that that's where most of our time is spent and just finding good settings and, and then trying to, you know, give that off to the, to the other guys on the team. And a guy like Kenny, you know, it, he – his fork is exactly my fork. His shock is a little bit different, but it's a version of it. You know, it doesn't mean that what I test and develop is going to be perfect for everybody, but it's, it's a, it's typically a very good base that you can then just fine tune it. Right. So instead of Kenny having to go from scratch, riding a new bike and not knowing where to even start, you know, I can develop a pretty good base setting that you can start with and they're like, I need a little stiffer, a little softer, a little quicker, a little slower. And you can just, you have a very good starting point. So then you don't have to branch out far from it. You just fine tune. Or if you're trying to just come up with something, that's like what we, what I'm doing. When I say we spend two weeks testing suspension, we're just coming up on settings and trying to find, you're kind of broader and then you narrow it down, narrow it down, narrow it down until you get to what you think is the best. And then, you have a lot of feedback to go off of our suspension guy ran through all of that stuff with me. So if Kenny goes, Hey, I like this, but I need it to do this. Chances are at some point I went through that setting already to get to the setting. We start, we, we, which is our base. So he can go back and go, Oh, you want it stiffer? Well, 
this is this was a little stiffer with Kyle what we did so he can just kind of plug and play and put it in and go you know where a guy like Kenny is not wasting so much of his time testing he can focus more on riding and getting his laps in you know doing the work that he needs to do so that's kind of what my role you know is for the most part is is just kind of doing stuff stuff like that for that reason you know to, to kind of take it off of you know a guy like Kenny's plate um, and kind of give it more more to me. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because it funnels down. Obviously, you know, there's a bunch of veterans at HEP, and you guys have all been in this a very long time. You guys know how to set up a bike, but, like, like you are fine-tuning it and getting it to the best possible um, thing it can be. But, like, they're all putting their trust in you. I mean, I would put my trust in you, too, because you've been at us a million years. But, you know, they're, they're all stuck. They could all be stuck in their ways, too, but they all put their trust in you and trying new settings, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, that, that was really cool with Shane to kind of see him come around at the end. Mm-hmm. And he, he said to me after, I think, the first race, maybe it was uh, Nashville, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Whatever the first race, that Shane just rode my setup. Just put, he, he was not, I don't want to say frustrated, but just kind of lost. And he's like, I try all the stuff, and I think it's this, and I just can't find a comfortable setting. I'm like, dude, just try this. Just ride it. And don't mess with it. Just ride. You know, don't even think about your bike. Just ride and spend the whole week doing that. And then just go race and then just race. Like, don't mess with your bike. Don't do anything. Just ride. And to see him do that. And then, you know, uh, I think two races later, get a top five of his best race of the year, best race ever on a 450. Yeah. And after that, for him to go, man, I should have listened to you sooner. I should have just went with what you had you know, earlier, he's like, but I just didn't know, you know, and we tried, but I also respect that I, I, I can't make somebody do something. And also just cause it works for me doesn't mean it will work for them. True. But when he came and like said, I, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but when he's like, man, you know, thank you. I should have, I should have, I should have just went with this from the beginning, you know, just from the get go. I should just, whatever Kyle has given, you know, give me that for him to like say that like for me like personally like that was so cool like that like i said obviously i i want to go beat shane we battled all year yeah. you know we're super close i'm like i want to beat this guy you know but i'm also trying to help him you know too so for me i i love both sides of that like i love competing and trying to beat everybody not just him but then at the same time so when i do good and i do well that's rewarding you know, for me personally, it's like sure. I worked really hard. I did well, you know, pat on the back, like high five everybody. Like that was great. I, you know, that was awesome. I did great. I did good tonight. It was a good race. Yeah. That's cool. But now it's also cool for me to go, dude, Kenny won the freaking race. Like I helped a little, you know, I'm a part of that. Yeah. You know, not everything by any means, but I was a little part of that helping him on that race like that is so cool or shane having his best race ever in the 450 doing dude thank you i should have listened to you you know the beginning of the year blah 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 like that feels like i could have a shitty night have the worst night ever on on one end but then on the same at the same time i get that reward like of being able to help those guys and help the team accomplish the team's goals and the other riders goals. And that's really enjoyable and, and really fun for me as well. You know, now, you know, I've, I've kind of learned that 
that that is really really a good feeling i love i like that i to, to be honest i almost like that feeling more than my own success i mean maybe not truly but helping somebody else to their success yeah. is is almost just as gratifying as you know just selfishly my own success you know whatever so it's 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 definitely cool to, to be a part in the other guy's success as well no it's a cool setup it's a cool scenario you have with with hep these days and it seems like it's going well, and you got one more year left on your current deal, but I can honestly see that getting extended. But before, yeah. I'm going to completely just go back in time here um, before we hang up. I kind of want to talk about your your amateur career coming up and uh, your yep. your journey to the pro ranks because it was kind of different. I was going back into some, some stats, some old results. So you were a Team Green kid for the longest time. Um, yes, then you get to do B class, you have a great B year, and then 04 you jump to A class. But then you go to A class again in 05 at Lorez, and then 06 even. So yep. you went three years in the A class. That doesn't happen. So what happened in those years, and why the heck couldn't you get an offer from a team? Like, I don't get it. So back a little bit, like you said, in 03, um, I was in the B class. Um, in 02, 02 was my first year on big bikes. I think I was only 13 when I got on 125s, um, 13 turning 14. So I spent that year, 02, like in the B class, but mainly focused on like the schoolboy class or whatever, youth class, schoolboy class, you know, whatever it was called. And then 2003, the main focus was the B class, you know, the intermediate class, whatever. Um, like at Loretta's, I raced 125B mod and 250B mod. And had a great year, um, like at Loretta at uh, at the regional for Loretta's. I raced, you know, 125B stock, 125B mod, 250B stock, 250B mod, and then three motos, so 12 motos. Like at my regional in the southeast, which is always one of the most competitive, you know, regions. You know, even I think still these days. And like I went, it was at Monster Mountain. That was where our regional was in '03, and I won all 12 of my motos. You know, swept everything. Won everything there. Went to Loretta's. I won the 125B class. I got second in 250B. But, you know, the main focus, it was my first year on a 250. Um, the main focus was the 125 class. I raced against, like, Matt Gerke and Josh Grant and, you know, a lot of a lot of really good riders that were older than me as well, you know, in, in the B class. Um, like, that year, Davey Millsaps and Michael Lessie, which is who I raced most of my career growing up. So my birthday's in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, Davey is in February and then Mike is in May. So like Davey's only two months younger than me, but because of my birthday was December, there were some years when I would have to, they would stay back down a class. Like, so like in 03, if I remember right, Davey and Mike, they rode like the schoolboy class or youth class or whatever it was, one of those years. And, and also growing up, they would also, they would always get to hang back one year because their birthday was after January 1st. Right. So, so like that year in 03, you know, I was one of the younger kind of kids in the B class. And like I said, I swept my regional. I won the 125 B class at Loretta's. I got second in 250 B. Um, I, you know, I got, it was a really close second. And I actually had a bike problem in the second moto, which kind of, made me have a bad moto, you know, whatever, um, which maybe I could have won the overall on that as well if we didn't have a little issue. But either way, it was a great year. 
won the B class at Loretta's, which, you know, you look at nowadays, look like Dungey. He came out of the B class. He didn't really ride the A class. Yeah. You know, even kids nowadays are signed when they're in the B class, exactly. you know, for the most part, you know, they already have their ride. So I was the, the top B rider, won everything through the year, Minios, you know, won most everything, won my regional, everything, won Loretta's. And then, uh, didn't have a, at that point, you know, it wasn't that common for guys to have a pro deal lined up in the B class yet, you know, that time, you know, back, back then, but I did have some interest, um, Kawasaki, I had, I had a really big offer from Honda to switch to Honda actually that year, which could have transferred to the pro stuff. Um, but I was with Kawasaki team green for a long time. They matched the Honda offer, which was really cool. Um, and I kind of foresaw that you know, hoping that have a good year in the A class and I'll get a pro deal, you know, with, with Mitch on pro circuit. And unfortunately that off season, so, you know, Loretta's in August. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was in like October, November, I think it was November, maybe just before mini O's. It was when the Kawasaki 250F uh, first came out and they, I don't know if anybody remembers, but they were not known for being very reliable or right. that great uh, reliability wise. Uh, when they first came out yeah. and I had a bike, I was, I was with Ronnie Tishner with Nico Izzy and Ian Treadle and me and James Stewart. We were all training and with Ronnie Tishner, um, at hard rock, um, in Florida. And, uh, I had a, a bike lock up on me on the face of a jump, a, a big jump, a mm. fast jump. And, uh, yeah, the bike locked up and I had a, a really bad, bad concussion and a bad, uh, break in my humerus, uh, like compound fracture, uh, bone through the skin and, uh, it, it was not good timing. Um, like I said, I think that was like November of of that year, going into the 04 season, and uh, going uh, me moving into the A class. So yeah, I come off this high of winning everything, win Loretta's, move up to the A class, and then I have that bike problem, and uh, I'm I'm hurt for like six months. Um, I was young; I was only 15 still. So they were trying to let the bone heal kind of naturally without doing surgery. Um, they said it. And I was in this big contraption, but they're trying to not plate it or put a rod in it. Cause you know, it's still growing. And, um, they tried to let it heal about six months go by and it, it's, it seems okay. So I go to Loretta's, I just barely even make it to the regional. I just, you know, I ride like for like a week before the regional just to, to and I make it to Loretta's. I race Loretta's. I do. Okay. Um, this is Oh four. And like I said, I got hurt at the end of 03. This is, so going into 04 is when I, the, the break in my arm happens. So I'm out for almost half of the year. I just barely make the regionals, go to Loretta's, do okay. After Loretta's, I'm like, you know, I was supposed to turn, you know, I was supposed to have a good year and turn pro and I want to race a pro race. So after Loretta's that year, I go to Steel City. It's the last national of the year, I believe. Um, last one I could do anyways. So my dad drives up in our motorhome trailer just with my amateur bike and I go out, I had a bike issue, the first moto and I DNF'd, but I came out and I think I got 16th in the second moto for like 19th overall, maybe. So I went like DNF 16 and you go look at the results, like 16 first ever pro race. You know, you look at a guy like, I don't know, I'm even friends with him. So I don't, I'm not saying it's in a mean way, but like a Casey Cochran or some of those kids, Talon Hawkins, those kids that, you know, they turn pro and they're on a factory bike and they're getting 15th, you know, whatever. So I'm like, yeah. man, I look back and I was like bummed I'm getting 16th. And I'm like, right. man, I guess I probably really wasn't that bad, you know, coming 
just doing one race on my own, just hopping in and doing a, a pro race. Um, so I do that. I go home. Uh, I'm just doing some local like gold cup races. It's like October and I have a, just a weird little swap crash in the first turn and fall. And I feel my arm break again in the exact same spot. Um, I literally was like sick to my stomach, felt it break. Um, Dr. Augustine, which is one of the founding doctors of like the Alpine star medic unit, you know, mm-hmm. that we have at the races nowadays. Yeah. He was one of the founding like doctors. He's out of Jacksonville and I was up in Waldo, Florida when it happened that day. So, so I go through Oh four, you know, hurt pretty much the whole year. I barely make it to Loretta's do. Okay. Do a pro race and actually do decent. And then I'm getting ready for like mini O's like, okay, I'm going to do one more year of a, cause I was hurt, you know, almost the whole year. So the plan was I had a team green deal again. I was going to do another year of a class except um, for 05, for that, for going into that year, I signed a Canadian deal to do the Canadian outdoors, which was only four or five races. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm bummed because I wanted to be, I wanted to be a class in 04, turn pro in 05. Well, that all got delayed because I was hurt for half of 04 and I barely made it to the races. And then I redo my deal for 05 for amateur again. So I could actually get a full year of a class. And another year, you know, kind of rebuild myself from being hurt all year. So rebuild, do a year of A, but in my Team Green deal that I got a separate pro deal to do the Canadian outdoors for the factory Canadian Kawasaki team. So that was kind of like my, like, my, you know, you know, my whatever little reward for like, I can't turn pro, but we'll let you do these other races, you know, while you're under your amateur contract one more year. So that's what I signed. That was the plan. Well, like I said, after I did my first pro race, I was, you know, that this is the end of 04 when I signed my, my 05 deal with Team Green. I'm at the local race and I fall, I feel my arm re-break again in the exact same spot. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Meet Dr. Augustine there. He, goes in, does surgery, uh, like muscle tissue has gotten between the bones. So my arm never heals right. I was out all year, you know, for six months. I did Loretta's. I did my first pro race, but my arm was broken the whole time. It was never healed uh, completely. It had tissue, you know, that got between the bones. So they called it a non-union. The bone just would not heal. It kind of healed around it, but the center of the bone wouldn't like fill in. It wouldn't ever heal because there was something blocking the bones from, you know, joining together. Yeah. So I basically raised my first year of A half of the year with a broken arm. I do my first pro race with a broken arm. And then I re-break it, and again, I'm out for like half of those fives, yeah. you know, because it, it was like four months off the bike. It was like October, November when it happens, so I missed a lot of a lot of racing um, again. But I went up to Canada. I got second the championship. I had a bike blow up in the very first moto, and it's a, it was the only four races, so eight motos. Mm-hmm. So having a DNF was pretty costly. So I, my bike blew up the first moto, and then I won most of the rest of the races and I just barely missed winning the championship. Um, and I went back to Loretta's did okay again, but I was still coming off being hurt again. It was another year of missing, you know, almost half the year. So it was kind of the same thing again of the same injury that just, it's it almost like taken me out for a year now and, you know, combined it was just, it was a really frustrating time. Honestly, I felt like I was kind of robbed of, of like my transition to turn pro. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. 
um, fast forwarding through my career, it kind of was a pre, a, I guess like a precursor of how my whole career has kind of gone. I wouldn't change any because I wish I hadn't gotten hurt, but um, it just made me deal with the adversity. So yeah, 05 again was a little bit of a wash because I was hurt for the whole beginning of it. I went up to Canada and did pretty good, uh, made some money. I did Loretta's and stuff and did okay again. Um, and then sprinkled in, I was like, you know, I want to do a few outdoors. I really didn't do very good at the ones that I did. Um, but again, it was like a year, it, it was supposed to be a rebuilding year, but it was like another rebuilding year, you know, cause I was hurt again, you know, from, from my arm. So going into the 06 season, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm done with amateurs. I'm not doing it again, but I didn't have a pro ride lined up, but I did have a deal to go back to Canada. Um, for the Canadian outdoors and the team from Canada was also going to race supercross. So that, you know, going into the right. 06 season, so I'm like, okay, well this, you know, end of 05 negotiating my 06 deal. I'm like, all right, I'll do Canadian outdoors again. It's only five races, you know, four that count and then plus a shootout. So I'm like, I'll do Canadian outdoors, but then they also do supercross. So they were a supercross only team and a Canadian outdoor team. And uh, they're good riders, Darcy Lang and Paul Carpenter. And they were the factory team in Canada, you know, which was big, you know, back at the time. So I, I agree with them to raise Canadian outdoors and, and AMA Supercross, East Coast Supercross. So 06 was AMA, East Coast Supercross and Canadian outdoors. But uh, Team Green was still interested in me doing some amateur stuff if I wanted and willing to support me with bikes and parts and stuff like on a separate contract. So all I had to do was, uh, I think it was maybe mini O or I, I don't remember. It was Loretta's Kawasaki race of champions, which was in English town, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And which was like kind of off season time, like October ish. Yeah. And then, so that race, which was a Kawasaki race, Loretta's in like one other race. So I'm like, dude, I'm going to get like, I think I got six, two fifties and four, four fifties plus a big parts budget and really good contingency from my, that, that was my amateur deal. And their bikes were free and I get to keep them, you know, mm-hmm. the years. So I'm like, well, I'd be stupid to not do that. You know, whatever. <laughs> right. oh, so I, so for 06, I had a contract to do AMA Supercross and Canadian Outdoors with that race team. And then I had an amateur contract to do Loretta's in a couple of other amateur races that Kawasaki wanted me to do. And, you know, Kawasaki still, they supported the Canadian team. So everybody was good with it. That was my plan. So, so 06, man, it was a great year. It was an awesome year. It was a big hodgepodge of, I raced so much. It was crazy. So literally, so I raced AMA Supercross, you know, made my first main. I got 10th. I think I got top 10 at my very first Supercross. I missed a couple other mains. It, it, Supercross came a little bit slower to me than I would have liked, but I did pretty well at some of them for my first year. And um, I won the Canadian championship. I pretty much won everything up there that year, which was really good. Um, I went to Loretta's that year um, in during that time, I guess back up a little bit. So I, I started the year Supercross players. I did pretty good. Got top 10 at my very first one. All that was good. Then, like, I would say after Supercross, even during Supercross, I was doing a Loretta's area qualifier one weekend and an AMA Supercross the next weekend. And then I was doing, like, a regional for Loretta's one weekend. Then I was racing a Canadian National 
another weekend. And then any other weekends I had free, I wanted to race AMA motocross. Because I'm like, that's where I want to be. I want to be AMA supercross, AMA motocross on a team here, not in Canada, you know, whatever. So that's where I wanted to be. But I'm under contract with Team Green to do amateur stuff. I'm under contract with the Canadian team to do East Coast Supercross and Canadian Outdoors. But I also want to do AMA motocross. So I'm also doing AMA motocross just with my dad in the motorhome on my own. So one weekend you'd catch me at a regional for Loretta's. One weekend at a Canadian Outdoor. One weekend at an AMA Outdoor. Then at Loretta's. Then at Canadian Outdoors, then back at AMA Outdoors. That, my whole year was, it was crazy. I was racing every weekend in some different series, and it was just, it, it was awesome. I, I loved it. It was a lot of fun, um, but very busy. But, you know, I was like 18 at the time, and it was awesome. You know, I was just, I was living life, and I was doing well. I won the Canadian Championship. Um, I went to my first outdoor that year with Southwick, and I raced. Gopher Dunes, which is a famous sand track in Canada, the weekend before, I won. I won by over a minute um, up there that weekend, over second. And then my mechanic drove the bike back to Southwick because he was from that area. He's John Dowd's mechanic. Mm -hmm. So he drove my race bike from Canada back down to Massachusetts. I flew up, and I whole shot the first moto at Southwick, lead for like a lap, and then I run third for like over half the race. Um, just on my own, you know, this, you're, this is a kid that, you know, the last two years has been hurt, you know, from his bike breaking, you know, the bike broke, what broke my arm originally, and then it never healed right and just broke again. So it really wasn't ever my fault, you know, necessarily that I had been hurt for two years because yeah. I wasn't known, I wasn't a kid that got hurt very often. And, you know, growing up, I was always pretty healthy and always good. And then I had that terrible two years, you know, when I was trying to transition to the A class. But so anyways, you have this kid that's been hurt the last two years and hasn't really done that good, you know, like what he did coming out of the B class, you know, winning everything to I whole shot, you know, I'm winning everything in Canada. I whole shot Southwick, um, look top three for most of the moto. I end up seventh overall, you know, still a pretty good second moto. I get seventh overall on a completely privateer bike, you know, just out of my motor home. Yeah. Like you don't see that anymore. Even these days, like there's no privateer 250 kid in a motor home. That's, you know, going to get in a, uh, almost, you know, leading and getting fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, yeah. you know, battling. And so that was awesome. But, but yeah, that year I won the Canadian championship. I got seventh at Southwick. I got seventh overall at Glen Helen. Um, I did like six outdoors, I believe, um, in total. Um, all like, I think I got 10th at Redbud. I was, you know, right around a top 10 guy at all the outdoors that I did. Um, and it was just completely on my own in a motorhome you know, with my dad and we brought my mechanic with me. So doing that, you know, going out there and proving myself, because, you know, if I, if I just went off my results in 05 and 04, they weren't good because I was, you know, hurt both of those years, you know, riding and, and come off being hurt. So I'm like, you know, I got to go, I got to make it happen. So win the Canadian championship, I go get top tens at AMA motocrosses. And that led me to a full-time deal with, with, uh, uh, it was yeah. a motorsport Kawasaki yeah, team um, at the time, um, which was owned by motorsport. And that was for the 07 year. And then 08, um, Bobby Hewitt is who took over. Okay. And that's when it was like the Canada uh, yeah. motorsport Kawasaki team. Um, that was my second year with them there. Kind of just different, same team, but different ownership. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, that transition to pros was just, 
it was tough. You know, I, 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 you go from being so good and winning everything in the B class to just being hurt for a couple of years when I'm trying to, at the most crucial time of your career, you know, amateur career, when you want to be at your peak to get that pro ride, man, I just had, had bad luck, whatever you want to call it. You know, the bike broke and broke. I got hurt really bad and, you know, came back, thought I was healed. It wasn't healed. Rebroke it, and then you know it just it never actually healed. It just rebroke and had surgery and and all that stuff. So man, it was just two years of '04 and '05 of just not not good. And then uh, yeah, like I said, '06. I'm like, man, I, this is make or break. I've, this is my last year. I didn't want to do the team green contract, but my dad's like, dude, it makes too much sense not to. Like, we need all these practice bikes. You know, on a race team, you get one practice bike. You know, mm-hmm. it's pretty limited you know, when you turn pro, but the amateur budgets are just different. So I'm like, you know, I'll do a few races. I didn't want to go to Loretta's, but I'll do a few races, but I'm racing Canadian outdoors and AMA outdoors and AMA supercross. So that's what my, my 06 year was aside from a couple of amateur races in Loretta's. And, and man, of all the times I go to Loretta's and in 450 pro sport, I go one, one, and then DNF, my bike blows up the last one. I'm winning, so I was going to go one one one, and my bike blows up the last moto. Just the yeah. worst luck. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Like, last year at Loretta's, I'm winning everything and going to go out on top. Like, I wanted to back in 04. You know, I'm like, okay, I have a year to, like, redeem it. And I'm having a great year, winning in Canada, doing good at AMA Outdoors. I'm gear winning Loretta's, and I go one one DNF in 450 pro and then in 250 pro i think i went like i don't know two one and josh hill went like one two and he already had a factory yamaha ride signed and me and him are battling for the 250 championship and it rains and davy coon scheduled my motos to end on friday because i had to be in canada saturday and sunday to wrap up the championship up there on, so <laughs> my motos were, yeah my motos were like two motos apart i was like race two and five is what how they scheduled the 250 pro and 450 pro so i raced so going into the last motos that were at us and they're all week having a great week i have like a one one in 450 like a two one in the 250 class I'm like, okay, let's wrap these titles up, go to Canada, wrap the championship up in Canada. It's going to be a good week. So I go to the last 450 moto. Like I said, I, I get a pretty good start. I pass into the lead. We're like halfway through. My bike freaking blows up. So I go 1-1 DNF. Right after the moto, it downpours. It storms really bad, lightning. They cancel the motos for the rest of the day. But I have to fly out that night to make it to Canada to wrap up the last the, the last race to wrap up the championship. So in 250 Pro, I end my Loretta's career. I go 1 1 DNS and 450 Pro. In 250 Pro, I go like 2 1 DNS. Didn't even start. Didn't race the last moto because I had to postpone it to Saturday and I had to be racing in Canada on Saturday. So it was like, gosh, it just sucked to end my Loretta's like that. But in the grand scheme of things, I had a really good year that year. Like I said, top tens as a privateer. Um, outdoors, I, I went up and I won the Canadian championship and I should have won, you know, at least one class at Loretta's, you know, whatever, if we had the bike problem and, and I didn't even get to race my last moto because, you know, Kawasaki said it was more important to go win the Canadian championship than be at Loretta's. So that's what, that's what we did. And, uh, gosh, man, just 04, 05, 06, I could write a book on that, you know, this, everything we've just talked about. Cause it was just, did not go to plan, not how I foresaw envisions you know my career going 
but you know, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's nothing, nothing's perfect, you know, and it's just, it's life and it happens very frustrated. And I was bitter for a while. Then I'm like, why does that happen to me? You know, I've worked my whole life for this. And, you know, I felt like it was kind of getting, you know, taken away from me, but you know, I just put my head down. Like I said, no six. I'm like, this, it's not going to make me quit. Not going to define me. I'm going to, work my butt off and 06 is going to be a good year. And it was a really, really good rewarding, you know, year. And I think that kind of set me up for my, you know, my career to date, you know, just how my career has gone and just kind of having that mentality and kind of making me work in order for me to be a professional dirt bike rider. It wasn't easy. You know, a lot of guys may be able to quit. I've seen a lot of guys come through the years and have stuff like that happen and they just quit because it is easier. It's frustrating you know, you work your whole life or something and have some stuff like that happen. It sucks. But I'm like, you know what? I, I want this more than I, and then I'm going to let this, you know, define me. So, so it was a lot of sacrifice for my parents too, you know, helping me go to all those races and, and do, you know, what I could do. You know, obviously couldn't have done it without, without their help and their support. And yeah, it was, it was a, it was a tough time, but a very rewarding time, you know, at the, at the end of it. So this is a journey, but it was worth it. That was a journey. That that was that laid the foundation of chising, you know, those years right <laughs> it, there. It, it probably did. That's what Good. I'm saying. Yeah, you know, I'm half joking, but yeah. you know, whatever. It, it made me, you know, hey, just you gotta make it happen. You just go do it. It's it's up to you. When it, when the gate drops, it's all on me. You know, it, it it is what it is. So just gotta gotta make it happen. I need to have an amazing story behind those years because I went back. I was like, man, I gotta talk to him about something different. Like, and that that's yeah. perfect right there. And um, yeah, yeah. No, good job on, on telling it. Yeah. But I one thing yeah. before you go, I put a post out today. It's Tuesday um, on Verb. Yeah. So I put Always a post. A good, huh? Always a good day. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday, yeah. So I, I yeah. went went back and uh, watched the uh, David Banner music video with Stu. Yep. Did you, did you not get invited that day to the shoot? I don't remember where that was. <laughs> um, gosh, I'm trying to remember. When, does it, do you remember what year it was? He was like, oh, probably, oh, four or something. I know. The, I know. Oh, four. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I might've been, that might've been when I was like hurt oh. surgery and, and laid up. It, it probably, if it was oh, four, probably. Do you think they would have yeah, let Stu, you on? Stu was there the day that I got hurt. You know, he was already pro. Like, I mean, you gotta remember this is the end of oh, three. So picture end of oh, three. James won everything. Remember he lost the outdoor title because he missed the first like four races because he got hurt at Vegas Supercross that year? Yep. I think that was the three, right? Oh, yeah. That was the Bud's Creek year when he came back and just... Yeah. Yeah. And he, then he won everything. Yep. So anyways, yeah, I think this is like October of 03. So Stu's on 125, just wins everything. And I'm still amateur, but I'm at a Ronnie Tisher school. That's the only person I really, Randy Yoho and Ronnie Tisher are the only people that ever taught me, you know, how to ride a dirt bike, you know, growing up. Randy more at the beginning and Ronnie more towards the end. So I'm at a Ronnie Tisher school with Nico Izzy and Ian Treadle, you know, and, and then James just comes out for the day. And he wants to ride with all of us, you know, whatever. And he's just, because we're all, I'm, he's my buddy. And we, he just came and was like, oh, you guys are hard rock. I'm going to come up and ride, you know, whatever. So, yeah, the day that my bike blew up and I got hurt, James, he was there riding that day. And, you know, whatever, we're, we're all there riding together and training and riding, learning, doing school. And, uh, yeah, so he was there. And then, yeah, I was probably laid up. I, mean, I was laid up for a while after that one. It was, it was not, a, not a good one. I mean, that would have been an incredible street cred for you, you know? I know, I know. Gosh, I, you know, we I, we have kind of stories for days. I, I, 
I could have been in the video with, uh, you know, like James has his hair twisted, always has his hair twisted, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day, like wherever they call it, not cornrows, yeah. but like actually twisted. Yeah, yeah like, I went to his his barber shop and got uh, got my hair twisted. You did? I looked like, a, oh yeah, I had, I had twisties in my hair, you know what they call them. So I, I looked, I looked like a white drug dealer, you know, <laughs> as what, what you thought I was. Yeah, I wish there was a picture of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, I don't. I don't even know if I have this. This is back before iPhones and stuff. Like you know, yeah, this is back in you know probably oh one, you know two thousand one ish. They would have freaking iPhones and stuff then. It was just back in the day, the good good old days. It was a good song. Like I listen to it all the time still. Like I just I don't know. Yeah, that was my that was my yeah. jam. Do, do you do you insta- I, I got to meet him. Like I met him, saw it, like whatever some of those times, whatever. But yeah, the, I don't know where I was for the music video. How how did that even meet? Like, how'd they meet? Like, it doesn't even make any sense. Dude, I don't know, to be honest. I don't remember. Um, gosh, I'd have to ask him. It, it, I might remember, but I just don't, I don't remember. Um, gosh, wait, I, to be honest, you know, James is a couple years older than me. Yeah. So, and you gotta remember, he turned pro when he was 16. So, like, when I was going to some pro races just to, like, go be, hang out, be there. I'm just hanging out in the factory. I'm, like, 14 years old. You know, 13, 14 years old, just hanging out in factory trucks and seeing stuff and whatever. And then, you know, and he's 18, I'm 16 and, you know, whatever. It just, yeah, I, I kind of, I got exposed to stuff a little earlier than most people would. You know, just meeting, like I said, being around a factory team and seeing all that stuff happens. And, and then he had so much success as a 16-year-old, you know what I mean? Like coming out, For first sure. black rider and all the stuff. Like he had so much attention and I was, we were just best friends and I was just, we were hanging out all the time, riding together. We just were together all the time. So I was kind of just there, you know, for all, for all that stuff. So I don't even, to me, it was just normal. Like it wasn't like, dude, we set this thing up. David Banner's coming out. It's this big deal. Put it on your calendar. Okay. I won't. It was just like, just another day, you know, whatever. Like, you we're hanging out with Ken Griffey Jr. You know, and he's, Still playing bass, like all that stuff. You know, I met Michael Jordan in Daytona. You know, like what? Like Michael Jordan was like my hero growing up. You know, whatever. Just, just stuff that I'm like. I kind of wish now I could go back and do it again. Yeah. Because I feel like I took like it for granted, like being a 15 year old kid. You know, whatever. That yeah. I don't know. That's a lot of stuff. A lot of good memories with James and, and all that growing up. Is we had a lot of fun, and his whole family's always been like a second family to me. Just awesome. Malcolm's awesome, and. And Big James and Sonia, they were like second, you know, parents to me, you know, growing up. I owe a lot of my success and riding and career and everything to them as well. Because, you know, my parents did a ton for me, but Big James and Sonia also did did a lot for me, you know, being able to be with James and around and at their house and opening up their home to me when I was, you know, younger to, to be there, you know, was, was, was a big, big help to me as well, you know, ever. So, right. yeah, I mean, I was just... I was there. I was kind of like a fly on the wall for, for all the crazy stuff like that. Um, see, like when you even said that, yeah. I, I completely even forgot about about them being around sometimes, you know, being out of the track and riding and just all, all that stuff. Yeah. There, we had a lot, a lot of good times. You and you and James still talk sometimes? Yeah. He was actually on my flight back from, gosh, where was it? It might have been one of the outdoors this year. So I, obviously we're both busy and he's right. got his kids and I got my kids and we're, we're like an hour and a half, you know, from each other. So it's not like we live right around the corner, but, uh, yeah, talk to him whenever I can see him. And, and we, we hung, talked for a while, you know, a couple of times this year, like I'm on flights and stuff like that, just there at the end of the outdoors and yeah, neither, 
it'd be nice to make more time to be together a little more, but dude, it's uh, had oh, yeah. three kids now. It's I'm wide open. If I'm not at the track and riding and working and I'm doing something with them and then trying to squeeze my friends in when I can, you know, yeah, whatever. Sure. So, yeah. No, it's cool. I will say from a kid who was eating all this stuff up back in the day, just watching it, like, it's really cool to see you guys 20 years later at the races still, you know? It's just, yeah, cool. yeah, it's full circle. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun, and it's cool to, it's cool to have him back around, too, because obviously I know not, not every detail by any means, but I know a lot of kind of crap and, like, how he kind of went away for a while and just kind of where he was mentally and all that stuff. So to see him back around and everything is, is awesome. Like, I'm the, the, person that i'm friends with and grew up with and know is not the person that that wouldn't be around you know what i mean he's the person that wants to be out in front i mean look back james has 125 days he's dancing after he wins and yeah he's he wants to showboat and have the attention and that's the person that i know you know whatever yeah so to see him kind of like just disappear for a few years was kind of kind of bummed me out you know whatever and and i totally understand it you know it didn't like bum me out at him but i understand it but it just it sucked just in general you know i feel like for the most part everybody loved him you mm-hmm. know whatever so i think and, and now he's been well received you know and coming back and being back at the races again which is awesome to see so just yeah glad to glad to have, have him back in the sport and, and being involved and in at the races and stuff has been been really cool and then yeah malcolm obviously He's like a little brother to me. So seeing all Malcolm's success too, it's, you know, I remember back in the day when he didn't want to ride a motorcycle, you know, as a kid. So to see Malcolm having the success he's had too has been really, really cool. Um, I'm like, honestly, probably more proud of him than he is of himself just to see him where he's come from and James's shadow and all that for so long to see him kind of make something for himself has been really, really cool too. So that's, yeah, like I said, just, so many stew, stew stories we could go, right. and a uh, lot of lot of years of of just great memories with their whole family. So yeah, we'll do. We'll have to do another Stew's Day update sometime. We'll do Stew's story. Yeah, we'll have to, man. But I, I've taken enough of your time today. I just wanted to touch on a few things and, and catch up with you. It's always great. So yeah. thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. Always, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, love talking to my my OG peeps too. Yeah, dude. I mean, and you started the the Troy Dog Squad with me, so I mean, it's yeah. We're we're going. We have to turn riders down now, dude. Oh, gee, I know it's it's blowing up. It's awesome. See, that's another thing. Awesome to see. I mean, <laughs> really cool. Like, but Troy Dog, like growing up and and you know, got yeah. a real deal going. So that's cool. It's a real awesome. deal. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, I'll see you at the races, yeah. and uh, we'll talk soon. Yep. Yep. For sure. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Thanks man. man. See you. Okay. But how about those stew stories, right? Imagine if Chiz would have been in the David Banner music video with his twisty hair. I'm still trying to uncover a picture. That would have been amazing. Could you imagine? Like, oh, hey, Chiz, like, why weren't you in the invited to the David Banner music video shoot? Oh, I had a bro. I was I was hurt. Like I, but like my hair's cool. Like he could have been in there. That would have changed. Of course, Chiz was somehow involved in that whole era. Of course. So I think we're going to like start going to Chiz for our Stu's Day stuff because he knows a lot of it. He was there. He saw it all. And it's cool to see that they're still buddies and friends. He's real close with the Stewart family. I love that. Like, we're all older now. Like, we don't have much time to hang out and talk. But just knowing that 
you know, they're lifelong friends. Just, just hits home with me. Like, that's cool. That's what we're all in this. And honestly, with Vermoto being back, that's really what we're out to do. Like, look, we're, we're not young anymore. And so like the nostalgia factor for going back in time and, and going through some amateur memories, you know, some of your best races, just seeing what you went through growing up. Like that's what Vermoto is all about. We, we started as an amateur motocross company and that, that's where, I don't know, we have these relationships with these riders from when they're amateurs and just to now there's a ton of guys who are going towards the end of their careers or they've retired from the sport already and they're doing other things, but it's cool to come in and just rekindle that old friendship and just, just talk about the good old times. So that's kind of what I'm aiming to do more now. Just kind of see where we came from and see if we can uncover some, some new news. Cause everybody loves that time. Don't act like you don't like it. Cause I live for this stuff. So that was an awesome interview with Kyle. I, I really have never talked to him about that stuff before. And it, it was cool to go down memory lane. So thanks, Kyle. I appreciate you, buddy. You know who else we need to thank this week? We need to thank Bub Dog and Duke Dog for being awesome. I want to give a shout out to Bub Dog for riding his bike without training wheels this week. His real bicycle. I think we're getting close to riding the P-Dub 100% by itself with I know a lot of people don't like training wheels on, on a P-Dub, but I think we're about to take him off. He hasn't had him on long, just getting the feel of the throttle. But Bub Dog's on a streak right now, and this two-wheel thing, he's getting somewhere. So before his fifth birthday, he got to ride his bicycle without training wheels. That was cool. He was so excited. So that's a Bub Dog update. But thanks to those dudes. Thank you to Ginger Dog. It was fun Friday night going down memory lane with music with you and watching David Banner music videos. It was awesome. Thanks to Chili, Chili Dog Wes. Thanks to Bird Dog. Bird Dog's a man as well. Thanks, Slaw. Thanks to Boots Dog. Thanks to CMX, our dog. And special thanks to the squad for being my squad and squatting, doing squad things. And then uh, thanks to Chiz and thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next week with another show.